What's up, fam? You're about to hear a message from Hope Valley Church in Denver, Colorado. We are a new, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible church and campus ministry in Denver, Colorado. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for like a day or a whole lifetime, we trust that this message will help you take your next steps to follow him. If you're in the Denver metro area, we would love for you to come and worship with us. You can check us out at our website at hvdenver.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, however you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Oh, and share. Now, let's jump in. All right, y'all ready to jump into the word? This should come as no surprise, but we're in the book of Luke today. Yes! Luke chapter 9. Wayne, can you come up and read? I, I, I threw you a curveball today. We're doing New Living Translation. So if you practiced in the ESV, Wayne, I'm throwing you a curveball. Everybody stand to your feet because participation is better than? Observation. What we're going to do is uh, I, Wayne will read the first two pages. And page 3 says read together. It's only the last two verses. We'll read that together. Thank you, Wayne. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask that you would use it to refresh us and nourish our souls in Christ's name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So I want to encourage you to take notes on the pad of paper that's in the connect packets that are kind of floating around the congregation or, or digitally, however you take notes, because I do expect that God wants to speak to you today. Because in this verse, uh, in this set of verses, in this passage, what we see is an invitation to relate to Jesus in, in, in several different ways, but most importantly, as the chosen one from God. Uh, in, in the movie, um, in one of the Endgames movies, in one of the Marvel movies, Doctor Strange runs this calculation, and it says that he came up with 14 million, hold on, I wrote it down, ready? He wrote down, he said, he said, I examined 14,605,000 possible outcomes for this battle. And he, he selected, based on all of the possible outcomes, the one path and the one choice that was going to bring about the favorable ending for all of humanity. Not just for them, not just for uh, the people who were present, but for all of humanity, at least in that universe. And, right, it gets complicated. It gets weird. 
And I, I just, I, I think about that often because in the Doctor Strange kind of space, there's this whole question about, uh, did he make the right decision? Having seen everything that he had seen, did he make the right decision? Was he trustworthy? Did he, did he really know everything? And did he see the right path? And did he choose the right path by, by making decisions that, that followed that revelation that he had? It makes me think about the, how much we second-guess our lives and we reflect on how can we really know who to trust or what the path to take is. The, uh, the, a quick Google search of expert picks came up with 2.4 billion results in half a second. The, uh, the, the Google search best choice came up with 6.5 billion search results in half a second. Who Can I Trust brought 3.1 billion results in less than half a second. Clearly, there's some question in our collective heart about who we can trust. Clearly, there's some, some question in our collective hearts if you look at, if you look at what's happening in, in the movies as they reflect on the questions that are present in society. Clearly, when you look at what's being written about and what's being searched and what's being studied online, you realize, oh, these are the things on people's hearts and these are the quandaries that we have. During 2020 and, and the time since, actually leading up to 2020, people were leaving church at a rate faster than it had ever been left in the United States. Because they, there was a question about whether or not churches could be trusted. There was a question about whether or not the people of God could be trusted. There were questions about whether or not God himself could be trusted. And it, because of the things that were happening among, among people. But when I examine the life of Jesus, uh, I realize that most of us don't actually have much problem at all with the person of Jesus. Most of the problem that we have is with everything else, knowing who can we trust and what other stuff is swirling in the world and in the media and in our hearts and in our minds and our experience that cause us to question and doubt. And in this, in this passage, God is eliminating the question of who can we trust by highlighting, by illuminating who he has chosen to be the one to represent him in the earth. It's not, it's, not your, it's not your Instagram pastor. It's not, it's, 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 not, your, it's not your online pastor. It's not, the, it's not the podcast that you listen to. It's not, it's not your favorite worship, uh, worship kind of conglomerate that's out on, on YouTube. It's not that. But he says I, he's chosen someone to represent him very specifically in the earth. I've chosen uh, the sermon title today, To Be Chosen. Much is made about the fact that we're chosen by God. And, and if you haven't ever heard that God has chosen you, just stick around for a minute. That message is coming. But, but he's chosen us. But sometimes we overplay how much God has chosen us that we forget that he's chosen Jesus first. And that's why Jesus' choosing of us matters at all is because God first chose, chose him. And so Jesus is going up with the, on the mountain with his disciples, and he's got different tiers of disciple, not a hierarchy of sorts, but there's like levels of intimacy that he has with a certain group. So he's got the crowds, and then he's got his disciples, and then he's got the 12 disciples, and now he's going up on the mountain with these three, and Peter among them. And, and I love Peter so much because he said, New Living translates it, not realizing what he was saying. He's like, Jesus, it's really good that you've got me here. And I love it because I feel that way sometimes. You ever feel that way? Is you like you walk in somewhere and it's like, 
God, it's really good that you've placed me in this situation because I am the right person for this situation. Step aside, hold my beer, I've got this, right? Or sometimes we feel like the other, we feel like the inverse. We're like, Jesus, you got the wrong guy. I don't belong here. This is the wrong decision. I don't know how to help them. We're all in trouble. The ship's going down. We're going to burn. Just take us, you know, come quickly, Jesus, right? Like, just end, end this right now. But the reality is, uh, the, the reality is I, I love that the Bible doesn't hide the personality of the people who are following Jesus. And, and there's, there's safety in that. To know that Jesus didn't, like, throw him off the mountain, right, for, for, like, like for being presumptuous. He's like, he's, like, he's like, all right, Peter, I had a feeling you were going to be this way. It's okay. And then the voice from heaven interrupts. Now, this kind of encounter is not an encounter that you should expect to have, okay? This is not what we're looking for when we talk about having miracles during the fast. We're not asking Jesus to show up with dead prophets and people from heaven to appear in your room. If that happens, something terribly wrong is happening. And just just get on the phone. Just leave the room. Get on the phone and call your small group leader. Um, (laughs) And, like, yeah, don't call me. Don't call me. I'm busy. No. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not the right person. Your small group leader is. No, no. That's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for experiences with angels. We're not looking. This is like something that happened that time because it was Jesus. And God had to make it abundantly clear who Jesus was and, 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 what, and, and how we were supposed to relate to him. So uh, what did Jesus, what was Jesus chosen for? And that's what I'm going to spend the bulk of today's message talking about. What was Jesus chosen for? Jesus was chose, chosen by God the Father to rule, to reveal, to rescue, and to release. He was chosen to rule, to reveal, to rescue, and to release. Let's talk about his, his chosenness to rule. Because it's the rule of Jesus that makes everything else that he does possible. A word that we'll use to describe the rulership of Jesus sometimes is lordship. Have you ever heard that phrase? It means that he is the king of all things. It means that everything in all of creation is subject to him. Right? There's not anything that's outside of his purview, his oversight, or his sovereignty. That if it happens, it happens on his watch and he's aware of it, which means not always that he's pleased with it, but always that he's going to deal with it. Okay? So everything is under his purview. Revelation says that on his robe, at his thigh, his title was written, King of Kings and Lord of all Lords. It's not, I love that the Bible doesn't say that there's no other rulership in the earth. It says that, yeah, there are, there are kings and there are queens and there are rulers, there are lords, there's power, there's authority. But above all of the earthly power and authority that exists, there's one who reigns over all of it. His name is Jesus. And, and if, it was, if it was anybody but Jesus, this could be bad news. Right? We kind of are uncomfortable with the idea of somebody having all power, aren't we? If we're honest about it, we're like, ooh, how is he going to use this power? How is he going to use this authority? And the, and the beautiful part of the gospel is that he's going to use the power and authority on, on our behalf for our benefit, ultimately for his glory. But, but it can be an intimidating thing, and I, I think that we oftentimes search after the God that we can control. 
We search after the God that we can control, which is why we look for comfort and strength and encouragement and peace in, in things that we think we can control and will serve us. But, but because, because we're not as strong as we think we are, we ultimately end up serving those things in the end anyway. I know this from personal experience, not, not even from watching anybody else. If nobody else on earth existed, I know from my own life that, that I want to control uh, my, my own journey. I want to control my own comfort and my own peace, and I want it my way. I, I joke a lot about nachos um, only because, because even food, like I, I'm an emotional eater. I love, I just, I love food. It makes me feel good before it makes me feel sleepy, Right? <laughs> It makes me really happy before it makes me sad. But the happiness it gives me for just that little while, that endorphin rush, I get that dopamine hit, and I'm like, yes. And I serve it, but then I realize that I need to go back to it over and over and over for this dopamine hit, and it never takes me where I want to go. And I, and I, use, I use nachos as a, as a simple, kind of a funny, silly example, but the reality is there are more destructive things that we can give our lives to as well. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's drugs or alcohol, right? Sometimes it's toxic relationships, and we go to it because we want it to serve us, and then what we don't realize is that we actually give it rulership in our lives, and we end up serving it instead of it serving us, and we can find ourselves serving these other masters because we've given it authority in our lives. We're going to serve someone. We're going to serve something. It's just a question of how good will that thing be for us in the end. But the rulership that was given to Jesus, he leveraged for our benefit. And the rulership that was given to Jesus, he leverages. It's like it's contained by his loving kindness and his faithfulness. So it's, it's not just raw power that's unchecked, but it's power that's, that's, that's metered out according to his faithfulness and his loving kindness. And that the world was designed to reflect him and his loving kindness. So Jesus was chosen to rule, and that's important. It's his choosing to rule that allows him to forgive. Like a God, a God who doesn't have authority can't forgive sin. A God who doesn't have authority is, is impotent to heal disease. A God who, who doesn't have authority is incapable of rescuing us or releasing resources to us when we need them the most. And Jesus has no such limitation. So he was chosen by the Father to rule, and that's why we need to listen to him. He was chosen by the Father to, re- to reveal heaven. To reveal heaven. He's telling the disciples, he's like, guys, this is my chosen one. And Jesus, better than everybody else on the face of the earth, in the history, uh, past, present, or future, have, fails to reveal heaven as beautifully as Jesus does. I think that as a, as a people, that's part of our call. That's part of our invitation is, is to establish a church that looks like heaven so a little bit of heaven could be known by the city of Denver. So a little bit of, a little bit of heaven could be known by our diversity. A little bit of heaven could be known by our love. A little bit of heaven could be known by our, by our, by our faithfulness to one another. A little bit of heaven could be known by our unity. But, but with Jesus, not just a little bit of heaven was known, but all of heaven is revealed through him. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying in front of the disciples, and he's like, God, you sent me here to reveal you, and I've done that. He's like, in fact, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father because Jesus revealed it. He says, I've revealed you to them and I'll continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them 
and I or will, will be in them and I will be in them. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm here. The, the, the Father has chosen Jesus to reveal heaven. So if you want to know what God is like, get to know Jesus. If you want to get to know who the Holy Spirit is, get to know Jesus. I think sometimes we make this mistake that we're like, well, I want, I want like special knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is. Well, get to know, get to know Jesus. Because as we get to know Jesus, we get to know the Father. And as we get to know the Father, we get to know the Holy Spirit because they're three in one. They're in it together. There's no separating them out from one another. And when we experience one, we experience all of them. Jesus, if you want to know what God is like, you just study the life and the ministry and the person of Jesus, and that will reveal it. If you want to know what Jesus is like, you could look at people who walk closely to him, and then you begin to see that. You ever, you ever gotten kind of into relationship with somebody who loves Jesus a little bit? And they've got the character of Jesus? And you're like, you're like oh, you, you, you interact with difficulty a little differently than, than everybody else that I know. There's this man in my life, his name is Roy, and, and Roy, Roy walks closely with Jesus. I mean, the kind of walk with Jesus that, that makes me question if I even have a relationship with him at all, right? I'm like, oh my goodness, you like, did you step, did you like unzip heaven and step into the Starbucks today? Because, because you, you just got something, you just got something different on you. It's the kind of, it's the kind, I sat down with him when I've told this story before, but I sat down with him one time because I was experiencing some measure of success and I wanted him to, I wanted him to know that. Because I felt like, I felt like if he knew it, then Jesus would know it. And I just needed to make sure that I had all my bases covered. So I sat down with him and I was like, I was like, hey, uh, you know, I know that you're pretty successful in business, and I've become pretty successful myself recently, and I just was wondering, you know, what steps you would have me take to, uh, what, what, what steps would you advise that I take so that I can become an even greater leader and have even greater success? And really what I expected him to say, what I wanted him to say was, oh, no, you're doing all of it. David, your greatness has surpassed my ability to, to mentor you. You, your, your excellence and like, like, you know, this is holy ground and like take off his shoes and like really just be in this Holy Ghost moment with me. Like Elijah was going to show up and sit down at the table with us and my face was going to glow. And, um, but he goes, hey, uh, if you really want to be successful, seek the face of Jesus with everything that you have and everything that you are and don't stop. And he goes, and then do what he says. So I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, that. But, like, I mean, I'm, clearly I'm doing that already. No, I just, I, 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 was, I was so pierced with the heart because he was walking so much with Jesus that he revealed the nature of God to me. That the nature of God wasn't self-serving and jealous and selfish. It was the, the, the nature of God was patient and loving and faithful and compassionate and caring. And he got down, like he got all the way down into my, into my world and spoke to my pride without slapping me around. I mean, he slapped me around kind of in the spirit. So uh, it's chosen to reveal in the same way that Jesus reveals the Father to us in a way that nobody else on earth can reveal the Father to us. So we are called together, church family, to reveal the glory of Jesus to a world that's desperate for something different. The world's trying everything, isn't it? If we could just legalize everything, everything would be okay. If we could just not, if we could just remove every boundary, then, then everything would be 
okay, then we could have happiness and we could have what it is that our heart really longs for. But if you walked with Jesus for just a little bit, you realize the boundaries and the limitations that Jesus places on us individually and collectively are, are how he protects us and keeps us safe. It's actually not how his, his strictness or his rudeness is revealed to us. It's actually how his goodness and his loving kindness and his faithfulness is revealed to us. Because he's, he keeps us away from the things that we don't realize could possibly destroy us, our soul. When I think about my relationship with Jesus, I, I'm so much like Peter. And I am so much like my little kids in their relationship to me. All of our little kids, at about nine months old, we had a standoff. And it was a brutal standoff. There was always tears and crying and anger and temper tantrums. And the kids were upset too. And, and the, kids, the kids were upset too. No, but it was, always around, it was always around an outlet. They just get to be this age where they realize their finger's right about the right size to go in the outlet in the wall. And I've lived enough, and I've done enough stupid things to both know what it feels like, but also to know that that little body probably can't handle it as well as my grown body can, and that, that certain destruction's coming to them. Does that panic you a little bit, Chaz? I, I had this habit. I had this habit, so I figured out that you don't always have to turn off the breaker if you're, if you're doing electrical work. And then, but you don't but you don't know if you've got to turn off the breaker or not until it's too late. But then when it's too late, the breaker turns off anyway. It turns off because of your finger is what happens. It turns off on you. And it's, it, it, yeah, it gets you. I don't recommend it. Don't do it. But, but my little kid, my babies certainly shouldn't have done it. And they want to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 certain, like, this is going to destroy you if you do this. And they're like, no, I'm pretty sure I need to do this. And it's like, no, you pretty much need to not do this. And they're like, no, I'm definitely going to do it. And they look at you like, hold my beer. My bottle, my bottle. And they, and they crawl, they crawl, they crawl towards it. And, and there's a standoff. And every time I just pop their finger, because it's a lot better to pop their hand and let them feel a little bit of pain than for that to happen. Right, And I don't have enough patience to fill every outlet in every place that we ever go to with those little things. So judge me if you want to. But I'm popping their hands. And, and, and so, so, but I pop their hands, and they get angry and upset, and they're crying. And it's like, I was saving you from something worse. I was saving you from something worse. And I feel like that's our relationship so often with God, that, that he saves, he's trying to save us from something worse. But we're just mad because we can't have that relationship anymore. We're mad because we would really much prefer to medicate ourselves on, on, on a different kind of bottle. Yeah. We'd much prefer to decide uh, the boundaries of our life instead of letting God establish those boundaries for us. Okay, so he's chosen to reveal heaven in the character of God, and we're invited to join him in that. And, and, he, and part of revealing the nature and the character of God is to create boundaries for our safety because he loves us. And and because he has power and authority, he's also able to rescue us. He's able to rescue us. Now, I think some of us, um, I, I think in, in all of these, we need to understand that there's an invitation for us in every single one of these. And so as I'm, as I'm talking through this, I want you to understand that there's an invitation for some of us today. You've never let God's rule in your life. You've wanted the rescuing, but you've never wanted the rule. 
And some of us are so in love with the rule of God because we just know that we need boundaries that we never actually let him rescue us. We never actually understood that he wants to, to sweep us away from the things that would damage us. And so, so we, we, we just kind of sit in the, in the pain that he's inviting us to step away from. But he's chosen to rescue us. And, and so if you could go to, um, to Romans chapter 5, it says that, uh, that through one man, sin entered the world. That man is Adam. But then through Jesus, forgiveness was unleashed on creation, essentially. And Jesus, part of what he's come here to do is to redeem us, to rescue us from the things that would, that would destroy our soul. And I've already talked about kind of how he does that. Sometimes he sets up boundaries, but sometimes he changes our appetite. Some, some, some of us, the miracle that we need this week in the fast is a change of appetite. Some of us, the miracle that we need is, is to stop longing for the, the internet videos to be, the, to be our comfort, right? And if, whatever, if it's, if it's YouTube shorts or if it's pornography or whatever it is that you go to for comfort or to hide or to find escape or release or control or whatever it is that your soul is looking for, some of us need the miracle of meeting Jesus this week and for him to rescue us from the things that are destroying our soul. Some of us, the miracle that we need is for God to rescue us from mindsets that keep us trapped and lost and, and far from the life of freedom that he's purchased for us. We sang, in, in your presence there is freedom, but I wonder how free have you been in Jesus? Have you let him rescue you from the freedom that, even from, have you let him free him from yourself yet? Have you let Jesus free you from yourself? Because y'all, that's big time. What do I mean by free you from yourself? What I mean is when you're standing in a room and you can worship God and, you, and there's freedom, but you're not going to put your hands up because you're afraid that somebody's, you're going to do it wrong or somebody's going to see you or you're going to be embarrassed because you're self-conscious. If nobody else is in the room, you're still self-conscious because it's not about anybody else, but you're trapped in your own mind. To be rescued from ourselves, to be rescued from outward sin, outward, uh, outward addiction, outward uh, bondage is a Christian word that we use to describe various kinds of addiction, right? Have you, have you allowed him to rescue you? Have you allowed him to do it? Some of us need to relate to the rescuing nature of God this year in a way that we've never related to the rescuing nature of God. And he wants to set us free. And some of us have been, have been tangled up so long that, that, that we're not even quite sure that we trust that he wants to do that. All right, and this is the last part. He's chosen to release. He's chosen to release. Now, now we, we, you could do this two ways. To release us from things, that's where I'm using rescue. But he's chosen to release the Holy Spirit to us. Because when we're in Christ... We're a new creation. We're able to relate differently with God, and he pours out the Holy Spirit on us. Nobody else but Jesus is, is able to release the Holy Spirit to empower us to live a new life. Now, I'm not saying you can't, be, you can't have a decent life. I'm not saying you can't make lots of money. I'm not saying that you can't be a moral person, but you cannot experience the power of God in your life without Jesus releasing that power to you. At the end of his earthly ministry, he told the disciples, he said, he said, I need you to, I need you to go and don't, and stay put. Don't go and try and do the things that I've asked you to do until you've received the power that I want you to have. And the power that he wants us to have is the person of the Holy Spirit. And, um, 
in John chapter 14, he says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate. Don't you need another advocate? Anybody, anybody need an advocate? Anybody need somebody to work on their behalf in their workplace? Anybody need them? Anybody need someone to speak on your behalf in, to your family members? Anybody need someone to speak on your behalf to, to, to the IRS? <laughs> Anybody need somebody to speak on your behalf? Like when you're in the room and you can't advocate for yourself and you need somebody else to speak on your behalf, wouldn't you like someone who can speak on your behalf and isn't limited or locked out of any room? Wouldn't that be extraordinary? That's exactly what Jesus can do. He can release the advocate on our behalf to minister both to us, but on our behalf to make room for us to walk in all the things that God has for us. Jesus was the chosen son of God to release the Holy Spirit over his people. Some of us during this time, during this, during this time of fasting and praying this week, but also in 2023, I believe that, it's, it, that we're being invited to experience the power of God in a way that we've, we've never experienced before. Some of us because we didn't know it was available, and some of it because we, didn't, we, we were afraid that, that he was going to take advantage of us. Right? Like you were afraid that you were going to like, Get, get like shouting in the line at Walmart, like, ah, you know, like, hey, you know, speaking in tongues at Walmart or like uncontrollable prophecy or something like really weird. And you're just like going to be just, you know, like, but that's not how the Holy Spirit works with us. And, the, and Jesus wants to release the Holy Spirit uh, to you if you're in Jesus. And that's an invitation to relate to God by the Holy Spirit for the rest of our lives. Honestly, if I, if I'm, if I'm, just playing with you as worship team coming up. Um, if, I, if I'm just playing with you, I think this is one of the primary things that's missing from the church today is this relationship to the Spirit that Jesus was chosen to release to us. It's like we, we've looked to Jesus for one aspect of his leadership and we're like, rescue me, Jesus. But we haven't interacted with his rule. We haven't interacted with the revelation that he wants to give us. And we haven't interacted with the Holy Spirit, who he released for our benefit, to be our advocate so that we could walk in power and not just be subjected to the things that we're, that we're just, we're given over to. This is what Jesus was chosen.